There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. We thank you once again for tuning into the Friday podcast. This is our Friday edition, closing out our week and uh, closing out the month of April as well. And how we do thank the Lord for the month the Lord has given us on the podcast for each of you that listen. I believe last week we generated 340 downloads. I'm not sure how many people listen, but that's just the downloads. The number is slowly creeping up. So thank you for letting folks know. Thank you for tuning in. We certainly are thankful for the podcast. We count it the privilege to be able to come on here each and every day and to preach the Word of God. And I'm going to be honest with you. We look at the stats. We look at the numbers. Sometimes we have people from foreign countries that listen. And so we keep track of some things. But we're not concerned about the number. But we are concerned about is that people receive truth. And they'll receive it with gladness. Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be at the Bible Baptist Church in Waldorf, Maryland. Looking forward to being with Pastor Black and the folks there. And so we certainly are looking forward to a great day there. And then in two weeks' time after that, we'll be up in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, at the Grace Bible Independent Baptist Church. And that's up in Shingle House. We'll be there Sunday through Friday, Lord willing, with Pastor Seely and the folks there. So looking forward to that meeting. If you're in the area, uh, why don't you consider coming over, being a part of the meeting. If you need to let somebody know, let them know about the meeting. And just looking to see what God is going to do. Really kicks off our busy part of the year. And by the time we get back in July and get done our string of meetings, and my voice will be shot, we'll be exhausted, but we'll say, blessed be the name of the Lord, we'll bless his holy name. Looking forward to what God is going to do this spring, looking forward to what God's going to do the early part of this summer. And so we'll be up there in Shingle House to kick that off and then continue on through Maine, Vermont, Western New York, come home sometime in July. We're going to be here in Job 13 again. We left off yesterday. And it talked about when Job said, let come on me what will, in verse 13. And then in verse 14, he says, wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in mine hand? And that's a tremendous question that he asked. When his question, he did, it's in God's hands. And these things are in the hand of God. And we see Job later prophesy of Jesus Christ. And his life was in God's hands. And it was God himself who slew his son. We see that in the book of Job. He explains those things to us. Now, Peter prophesied, or, or speaking of prophecy, he talks to the Roman soldiers, talks about the Jews, talks about those that slew Jesus Christ, and they did nail him to the cross, but it was God himself that took the life from Jesus Christ. And when he gave up the ghost, he died on the cross, was buried. After three days in the grave, he resurrected from the grave to walk again. And how we bless his holy name and how we praise him according to the scriptures. He said in verse 15, then, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. Now, it's interesting he talks about that because when you start looking at it in the light and you go back and look at this as Jesus Christ in these last several verses, especially, and he says, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain mine own ways before him. 
And of course, that was Jesus Christ. You say, well, it certainly could be Job there too. Absolutely. Job's ways were right before the Lord. And Job maintained his integrity through all of those things before God. And though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Yet we also see the prophecy of Jesus Christ. For he goes on and says in verse 16, he also shall be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. And so again, he's speaking in turn. He's speaking of the things of God. Job's walk with God at this point is still perfect. And that's what a lot of folks just can't understand. Suffering did not drive him from God. Suffering drove him closer to God. It did not turn him away from God. Suffering didn't cause Job to go through a time of doubt and a time of, of angst and a time of fear where he worried about whether or not God would receive him, God would accept him. No, God strengthened him in those days. And though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Yet we also see that in Jesus Christ. And we see that all through the Messianic Psalms, that he trusted in him who would deliver him. He trusted in him whom he delighted in. It was the Lord himself. That's the faith of Jesus Christ is what he's speaking of. And he goes on and says, He will also be my salvation, for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Hear diligently my speech and my declaration with your ears. So listen to the words. Listen to the word of God. Job is speaking the word of God here. And so he's telling not only his friends, he's telling us to take heed to this. Notice this. Listen diligently to the speech. Listen to his declaration with your ears. Behold, now I have ordered my cause. I know that I shall be justified. Who is he that will plead with me? For now, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. Now, that phrase there is pretty interesting. And as a lot of folks would contend, and I realize there's folks that just don't quite see things, but a lot of folks would say, well, just because it says gave up the ghost, does that mean that's Jesus Christ? Well, why did Jesus Christ bow his head and give up the ghost? Why is that phrase used? Because the Lord is telling you this scripture was fulfilled. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Did Jesus Christ hold his tongue? Yes, the lamb before her shearers is dumb. He opened it not his mouth. We understand that he maintained silence. He kept his ways before them. He went to the cross in silence. He did not defend himself. He was in absolute meekness. He laid down his life for us. All those things are fulfilled in these scriptures. And he says, who is he that will plead with me? For now, if I hold my tongue, I shall give up the ghost. Only do not two things unto me. Then will I not hide myself from thee. And what are those two things? Well, we'll look at that through scripture. And again, let me go back up just a little bit. Verse 19, who is he that will plead with me? Who's going to plead with him? What is he going to plead? What is they, What are they going to ask? What are they going to request? What are they seeking? Mercy? No, he didn't ask for mercy. What did he ask for? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's what Jesus Christ asked for. Only do not two things unto me. Then will I not hide myself from thee, withdraw thine hand far from me, and let not thy dread make me afraid. The two things that he asked. Why did he ask those two things? Withdraw not thine hand far from me. Why? Because he's never been separated from the Father. He's never been separated. They've never been apart. They spent eternity together. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. The Word was made flesh. It's the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. And he says, withdraw not thine hand far from me. And then he's a colon there and a new sentence, a new break. And let not thy dread make me afraid. That's when the terrors came upon him. That's when the horror came upon him. 
That's when the awful reality came upon him. So again, Job is speaking now as that great prophet of God. Friend, verse 22, he says, then call thou and I will answer, or let me speak and answer thou me. Now, when did God call to him? Well, God called deep, calleth unto deep. Jesus Christ, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit. And we see that. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then the Psalms 22, he told us the heart of Jesus Christ. Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? That's deep, calleth unto deep. That's God talking to God. And so many times I think folks just overlook that. That's a relationship that the Word of God has given us insight into. That's a holy relationship that the Lord has let us get valuable insight into that relationship between the Father and the Son, the Son and the Father. And the Word of God gives us these things that we can see that. How many are mine iniquities and sins make me to know my transgression and my sin? Now, Job was a perfect and upright man. The Word of God told us that, but Jesus Christ has been made sin for us. He's also bare the iniquities of many. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. They are many. Make me to know my transgression and my sin. What is sin? Transgression of the law of God. That's what transgression is. That's what sin is, rather. And so he says, wherefore hidest thou thy face and holdest me for thine enemy? Why does he hide his face? All through the Messianic Psalms, and I I don't have time to really get into this on the podcast today, but all through the Messianic Psalms, we see the face. He says, Lord, Father, turn not from me. Uh, You know, regard me in in mine estate is the context, not the exact quoting there. But he's asked the Lord to hide not his face, turn his face again, incline his ear to him. He wants the attention of his father. He wants his father near. He wants his father close. And the more we see that in Scripture, the more we see Job as that prophet of God because he's speaking of a relationship. And again, can this be Job's relationship? Yes, it can. But Job is speaking of a greater relationship. He's prophesying of a greater relationship. He's looking at interaction between the father and the son, the son and the father, and that back and forth, that's speaking back and forth, because he says, wherefore hidest thou thy face and holdest me for thine enemy? How did he hold him? By the neck, Job 16. And there he shook him and he held him for that great enemy. What is that great enemy? That last enemy was death, that great enemy of all men. And he held him there to the cross and he held him there that he would die. He would die for the sins of the whole world. Wilt thou break a leaf driven to and fro? And wilt thou pursue the dry stubble? For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. Now, once again, if you're not convinced yet, when did God write things against Job? (laughs) He didn't. He has not condemned Job. He has not written against Job. Yet the word of God here said, For thou writest bitter things against me, and makest me to possess the iniquities of my youth. And you say, well, Jesus Christ had no sin. No, he did not. But he was around sin, and he saw sin, and he he saw others' sin. He saw others in iniquity, and he said, possess the iniquities. What does that mean? He bore it in his body. I believe Jesus Christ lived a normal, youthful life. Didn't dash his foot against a stone. I don't believe harm came to him. He was the son of God. He was pure. He was holy. I believe there was cursing around him, but again, virtue could go out from Jesus Christ. He was the son of God. 
Probably those that scoffed at him as a boy and made fun of him as a boy and cursed in front of him. And I believe he saw awful things as a boy. He heard vile swearings as a boy, but he was the son of God. Yet without sin, he was clean and he was pure and he was holy. But now God's made him to possess the iniquities of his youth. Now God has laid upon him the iniquities that he saw as a boy, the things he was around, the iniquity of his own parents. And that's something that so many in religion are deceived by. Jesus Christ bore the iniquity of his earthly father, Joseph. And even more so, Jesus Christ bore the iniquity of his earthly mother, Mary. Yes, she was a maid. Yes, she was a virgin, but she was not sinless. She was flesh like you and I are flesh. And Jesus Christ had to bear the iniquity of his own mother, that she also might find the forgiveness of sins, the freedom to walk in the newness of life. He bore the sins of the whole world. And one of those things, he had brothers. We know that according to scripture. And Jesus Christ bore the sins of his brothers. His brothers were like any other boy. They were probably sneaky. They were probably little devils. They were probably out of sorts. They lived with Jesus Christ in a home with Jesus Christ. Yet they were natural. They were flesh and bone. They were of the seed of Adam. And every single one of them, my friend, every single one of them needed the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus Christ bore the iniquity of his youth. And he possessed the iniquities of my youth. Thou puttest my feet also in the stocks and lookest narrowly unto all my paths. Thou settest a print upon the heels of my feet. What did he put his feet in the stocks when he was nailed to the cross? How do you know he's nailed to the cross? Because he put prints in the heels of his feet. That nail was driven into his feet. He was nailed to the cross. Wesley wrote it well. Five bleeding wounds he bore. Thank God for that. Those five wounds of Jesus Christ. What did Thomas behold? He beheld the wounds of Jesus Christ. And those prints were in his feet. Those nail prints were in the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ as he was nailed to the cross of Calvary, bearing the iniquity of his youth, bearing the sins of the whole world. And then verse 20, and he as a rotten thing consumeth as a garment that is moth-eaten. Why? Because there's that leprous garment one more time. All of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And what did Jesus Christ become? He became a leper. He became unclean. He became filthy. But yet the Son of God died on the cross for our sins. That's just my take on Job 13. And somebody say, well, I don't know if I agree with all that. Well, you don't have to agree with all that, but you reckon sure this. If you disagree with it, you need to bring the Word of God. And you need to sit down with the Holy Ghost and with the Word of God, and with God himself, and reconcile those things by Scripture. You see, the argument's not with man. The argument's not with, with your mere mortal man. The argument is with God himself. Could these things be so? Indeed is this your son. And can I say to you, if you see Jesus Christ in Job 13, Job 14, Job 16, Job 19, and when you began to see Jesus Christ, my friend, let me tell you this, on, on behalf of myself, on behalf of my walk with God, on behalf of my, the days get a little bit brighter. The sun shines a little higher in the sky. 
When you see Jesus Christ in Scripture, oh, my friend, it'll fill a void in your soul. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, and they shall be filled. And when you see the righteousness of God, and when you see the prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, it will fill an emptiness in you, and it'll fill it to overflowing. And your cup will overflow with joy, and the whole world can withstand it. And the whole world can curse, and the whole world can mock, and the transgenders can mark, and the LGBTQ can curse you and they can threaten you with death and the government can become communist. They can take your guns away and take your free speech away. When you see Jesus Christ, my friend, that's where true happiness comes. Blessed is the man, amen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And what's going to happen to him? He's going to be like a tree planted by the waters. Glory to God. And God is going to satiate his soul with goodness. And God is going to bear fruit in his life if we'll just believe the word of God. Have a great weekend at the house of God. I pray this has been a help to you. Job chapter 13. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory. Song of the Redeemer.